Welcome to Behind the Writer, the podcast about what the heck happens after you finally finish that novel. I'm your host, Julie Vade, and I'm here with my fellow indie authors to dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of writing and publishing a novel. joined by Quincy Clark. Quincy just graduated from university, majoring in biology, and she decided to write her novel during COVID in between her classes. Quincy, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me here. I must say I was really excited to talk to you because you were majoring in biology because I also, my day job is also in a science field. I'm a pharmacist. And oh, very cool. And so I saw that and I was like, oh, another science person that's also interested in writing because everybody else I talked to was like, wow, you are, why are you interested in writing? You're like a science person. And I was like, you could be both. <laughs> yeah, you can. Sometimes you find that your passion isn't exactly in the field you're in either. So Yes, exactly. What are you doing with, are you going on to more school? Or are you just doing biology or? I'm thinking about leaving biology and going into geosciences, like, so okay. that maybe I could become like, I don't know, a hydrologist or something. Cause wow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> changing it up. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's all good. That's awesome. Good for you. Do you find that, cause I find that people that are very like logical and have like that science math background kind of need like that creative release a little bit. Do you feel like that's the case for you? Yeah. I, I've always loved like writing and stuff. So it's like, I'm happy to do it on my spare time and like and everybody thinks I'm crazy because they're like how can you do like a science that like science job and then on the side do the writing thing and then do other things on top of that it's like I think it's fun right yeah no that's exactly how I feel so what got you into writing in the first place so as you can imagine it happened during COVID (laughs) sort of like the description says um I don't know I was reading like 30 like 30 or 40 books a month like I was really going crazy at the time so I was like and I ran out of books to le- like read. So then I was like, okay, well, how can I get past this? I can't wait for everybody to just keep publishing books. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just write my own real quick and see what happens. Yeah, I feel like that's what happened to me. I would like be reading something and I'd be like, this book is good. But what if like this happened? Or what if like this was the plot point? And then I was like, I should just write my own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so you have the, so tell me about, you said your book is about to come out. So hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, everybody can purchase your book. So tell me about it. What is it about? Okay, so the book basically follows the life of like, or like follows the, it's a story about a girl named Moira. It starts off with a girl named Moira. And she works in a circus and she's always had like a gift, I guess you could say. And that gift is to lead people to whatever it is they desire most. And like, the thing is, though, that she can't actually reach her own gift because it only seems to apply to other people. Like, she can't, like, reach her own desire, I should say. And so she basically goes on this quest to try and, like, find her own desire by helping other people to reach theirs. And, yeah, she meets a couple of people along the way, and then she finds out that things aren't exactly as easy as it seems or as, like, it's called To Those Who Have Lost, so it's, it's not exactly the most cheery book, but it's supposed to, like, inspire a message of hope, but, like... Yeah, it's a whole thing. It has a whole bunch of twists and stuff. So, yeah. I don't know how much I can say without telling the whole <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I can see how this was born of the pandemic because I feel like that was a very, we need more hope in our lives type of yeah. time. 
Yeah, so I was just trying to, like, maybe get a message out like that and, like, teach a couple of other lessons around the way, like, along the way. Yeah, no, I think that's a great message. I'm excited for it to come out and read it. Thanks. Uh, yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so is it, what's, like, the age range for it? Is it young adult, adult, like, who's kind of your target audience? Okay, so I'm 21, so I I can't exactly say it's adult, but it's certainly not... Oh my god, your cat, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, I forgot she was in here, and then she ran up next to me, and I was like, oh, you're here. <laughs> oh, she's cute, okay. Yeah, my, uh, my book isn't exactly for the faint of heart. It definitely covers some mature themes, so it's like, I would say it's young adult, because I'm a young adult, but like, mm-hmm. I think the, like, topics themselves sort of lean into possibly the uh whatever you call it more mature audiences like it's definitely not a book that a teenager should be reading unless like they're like very like experienced and they're expecting like the worst things to happen oh wow i'm really promoting this aren't i no it's okay (laughs) is it set um would you well you said she has powers so is it like a fantasy or is it more like rooted in real life it is fantasy okay yeah it's fantasy but it has some like realistic elements obviously just like every fantasy book does it's uh it starts off sort of like thinking, like sort of making people think it's a dystopian, but like it has that fantasy aspect to it, of course, because you know that she's like leading people to their desires. So like that's obviously not something that people can just do. And then uh, it quickly becomes more fantasy as the book goes on. Okay, cool, cool. What's like your definition of? Because I'm just curious now because everybody I talk to says something different. So like, what is your definition of like a young adult book? Like, what makes it young adult? You know. Okay. Well, I mean, I know the, like, teenage book thing is, like, they don't actually go forward with anything, so, like, they'll lead up with, like, romance and stuff like that, and they'll make you think, oh, yeah, there's going to be a romantic scene, and then it just cuts short as soon as anything romantic's going to (laughs) happen. And that always peeves me, because it's like, you're reading the book sometimes for that romance, and then it's suddenly gone. So... (laughs) I didn't make it like that. When there's romance, it goes like, you know, the you know, you get every part of it that you could possibly want. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe a young adult's like, I, I think it just describes things in more detail and it doesn't like brush over things as much. It's sort of like more t- to the point. I don't even know why they have like, I think young adult and adult are sort of like the same thing. You know what I mean? Because realistically, yeah. when you're a young adult, you're still an adult. So, I don't know. If you can handle things as a young adult, you can handle them as an older adult. All right. Hey, <laughs> you're not wrong. All right. Um, so, what has uh, the process of writing and getting, like, you know, your publishing process been like for this book? Okay. So, I've decided to do it, like, on my own. So, I'm, like, self publishing. And that mm-hmm. was because, like, when I was initially doing it, like, all the research that I had to do. It became very clear to me that, like, doing the publishing route with, like, a publisher or major publisher certainly isn't as easy as they make it out to be in, like, movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're like, you need an agent, but in order for an agent to look at it, you need to first have something to show them to be like, hey, I can do this on my own and I'm actually interested. And I'm like, well, the only way you can really do that is if you, like, self-publish or, like, get something out there first that they can look back on. So I was like, so I just decided to go the self-publishing route through Amazon because, like, obviously it's a huge provider of everything and they, like, don't charge you for, like, each, like, I don't know, they don't charge you to publish it, which was a nice thing and they just sort of, like, we'll publish it. They'll take a bit of, like, the cost of all the stuff, you know, like, to print the book and stuff. But realistically, you're still making more money from it than you are if you go through a major publisher, but they're doing all the work. So it was, like, a yeah. whole thing. I decided, though, that, like, after this book, if I really, like, if for some reason it takes off, it, you know, like, if it actually does end up working, mm-hmm. then um, 
I'm like, I'll contact an agent or two and see if I can get in with someone else because it's a lot of work to self-publish and it's a lot of yeah. extra money that you don't really see coming. And you're like, oh, <laughs> didn't yep. see that. Yeah. Did you like query your first book at all? Or did you just kind of research like what the process was for like with a traditional publisher and then decide it wasn't really the best? Yeah, I, I did a lot of research. I mean, I come from a biology background. So like, it yes. too, so it's like you can do all the research on your own and like you don't have to pay people for it. So that's what I did. And I found out very quickly that it's like, okay, so in order realistically to go through a major publisher, you need to have, you need to bring something to the table already done Mm -hmm. um, and show that you can be successful because they don't want to invest money in, you know, someone that obviously has no potential in their eyes, even though that's not true, you know? Right. Yeah. I also feel like a lot of the draw for self-publishing is the whole like creative control thing because everybody wants to have that and not just hand it over to a company that's going to change the entire thing. (laughs) That's definitely part of the reason why I did it the way I did too, like through Amazon. I paid to, I paid on Readsy. I don't know if you know the platform or not, uh, but I paid on Readsy to have like my cover designed by like this guy named Maxime. Yeah, and so, like, but I was able to tell him, okay, I would like it to be like this, and I want it to sort of give off this sort of a vibe, and I think he did a great job with it. It it was exactly what I wanted it to be, and it's, like, it has all the symbolism in it that I wanted the cover to have, and I know that if I was to go with, like, you know, traditional or otherwise that I would sort of lose my creative touches. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was buying a cover. I feel like that really helps, like, make your book look, like, professional if you kind of have, like, that standout cover going on oh yeah i love your covers by the way like your books always look so (laughs) thank you (laughs) i also just paid somebody to make them they are i did not make those myself (laughs) i i tried making mine myself that's the worst part is like i was like okay i know how to paint i can do this no no i did not (laughs) i was like i know honestly i give so many props to anybody who's in any kind of like digital design whatever field because like I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. It's crazy. It really is. So what? Okay. So you said this book has a lot of the message is kind of like hope. So is that, is there any other messages or like character traits or things that you feel is important to portray in your writing? Okay. Yeah. I think that it's really important to have like realistic characters, like characters Mm -hmm. that you can relate to, like that aren't always hunky dory. Life's great. Or like, like I, I think it's, Everybody has their own troubles in life, and I think it's important to say, like, that, you know, people, like, might come from different backgrounds and have different, like, troubles in their life, but they they can all relate to each other. Like, when you read the book, like, it comes from, like, three different perspectives, um, and three different characters, I should say, and uh, I think it's very important that they all, like, have similarities across them, like, as in, like, they all have similar desires, similar aspirations in mind but like they all come from different places and so they're all bringing different perspectives to the table and I think it's important to like show like just because you don't fit in or just because you're different from the others or you don't feel like you belong someplace doesn't mean that you like are alone in that you know yeah your book sounds so good I feel like I need to read your book (laughs) I want to read about that theme anyway I feel like do you feel like it's easier to write in multiple perspectives versus just one perspective oh my goodness oh I that's a really that's a great question (laughs) you're talking like first person or second person or third or are you talking like literally just different characters so I guess both okay (laughs) it's in is it in third person or first person it's a first person okay and then you have three different people okay so 
Yeah, I guess both. Which, both of them. I really wanted to try out for this one. I really wanted to try out writing in first person because I know when I read books and stuff, it's really nice to have it be first person because then it's like you are the character. You know, like you aren't just yeah. watching it. You're, you are the person experiencing this. And I really do like different perspectives, like having it from different points of view. Because then you realize, like, what's going on in the other characters' heads. It's not just all in the one. It's like you're getting it from all perspectives and you get to sort of lead up to certain things better. Because it's like you'll know it from one perspective, but you'll have no idea how it was actually like. Because you're only getting it from that person. And, like, they can be a, how do you call it, a non... uh, When the character telling you things isn't exactly sane or isn't, like, in their proper frame of mind, you can get that. Like, and I I really like that because it's like you can think it's one way just because of how they're perceiving it. And then you'll realize it wasn't like that at all. And it was all in their head. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? And- That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I think I'm going to switch back to most of my books are in third person. But I kind of think I'm going to make like the neck after my series is done, like my next book. I'm thinking I'm going to switch it to first person because I, I think that you can get more like, yeah, more di- just different aspect. It's just like it's a different read than third person. I'm thinking about the next like series I'm going to do or whatever, or, like the next book after the series is done. I'm thinking about making it third. So I'm exactly. Yeah, there you go. See, we'll just switch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually used to only write in first person. I was talking about this with another author, and in like I don't know why, but I got it in my head. Like I think I read something that said that th- writing in third person is like harder, and so I was like, I need to challenge myself. I'm gonna write in third person. <laughs> So like, but I used to love writing in first person. It's like all my like really old writing from when I was a kid. It's like all in first person. So I'm going to go back to that. (laughs) Yeah. Like it offers its own set of challenges up, right? Because like when you're in first person, it's so easy to slip into the same tone. You know, it's like because you aren't the narrator. So like in third person, you get to sort of act as the narrator and like describe things, however. But when you're in first person, it's very much like, okay, now I have to switch my mentality completely and see how this other character would perceive the situation. I can't just go off of my own, you know? Yeah. And it's, right. it's a whole different exercise, but I, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what has been your biggest challenge so far in writing? I know you said your, um, your book launch was delayed, right? Yeah. So the biggest problem in writing is myself. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought about that answer, too. Um, so I'm the reason why it keeps getting delayed. I'm the problem with me, as Taylor Swift once said. <laughs> it's because, like, I, like coming from the bio like background, it's like I have, like, a perfectionistic tendency. I'm, like, yes. very much like it has to read the way I want it to read. And if you read it and you're like, oh, cat, like, how did I miss this? Or, like, I need to add this in. And it's like, hmm. And, like, I keep delaying it. And thankfully, I was able to order the proof. And so it's coming in. Like on Sunday or whatever, Amazon says it's going to be coming in. I'm just like, I'm really hoping that when I look at it, that it's going to like be up to my standards. Cause like, and then I like, even last night, I was thinking to myself about this one part in the book and I was like, oh my gosh, I should have described this too. And so now I'm getting like, now I'm going back and I'm going to be adding that in. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, like yeah. <laughs> Another thing is like the timeline too. Like you keep thinking, yeah. like when you're writing on your own and you aren't like with a publisher, it's very much like, okay, I'm going to have it done by this date. But then life gets in the way and you mm-hmm. know that you're the one in charge of it. So then it's like, okay, yeah, I can put it off. And then it just keeps being delayed and it's, yeah. it's a pain. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a fine balance because yeah, you don't want to like delay things too much, but also you don't want to be 
like me who puts way too much pressure on themselves and then like literally has mental breakdowns because oh, I'm not going to meet my deadline, even though the deadline is literally made up. So <laughs> literally, I was supposed to release this back in September, really. And I like was going to release it. And then I like I realized that I had school starting and it's my mm-hmm. it was my last year with thesis and all of that. And I was like, oh, my God, a literally huge mental breakdown. I thought I was like, yeah, I thought it was like the end of the world that I was going to have to publish it when I was like 21 instead of 20. Because like, I was like, oh, my God, I like, what am I doing? And so, yeah, I get the mental breakdown thing. It's not good. Yeah. My husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, why are you so upset? Like, who cares? Like, you can literally do whatever you want. Like, it's literally like not a big deal. Like, just stop. Like, Oh, my God. Easier said than done. I know. I'm like, I got to get it out because then I can't work on my next book until I finish this book. But I want to start the next book because now I'm excited about that idea. But I can't focus on it because I got this and it's like too many things. And I get that too much. Way too much. Yeah, it's really awful. It's it's, it's really challenging. Uh, okay, so what has surprised you through the process, either in a good way or a bad way, with how it all went? Um, what surprised me is like how many people like are actually in this field. I guess like mm-hmm. like you when you think about it, you don't think that there are like that many authors out there or like that many self published authors. But like the more you do it, the more you realize like that there's like this huge, huge, great community out there, and it's like or like how many people love books like the way you do? Because like sometimes like you're just sort of in your own head and you're like, oh, I love reading, but like not too many other people like I'm sure. And then you go into it and you're like, everybody loves reading. It's great, you know. Maybe another thing that surprised me is like how long the editing process takes. Yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do you have like an editor that you're using or are you kind of just doing it all yourself? Are you like paying somebody to edit it? I paid for an editor. Um, Actually, she was one of the editors that worked for like Sarah J. Mass at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's why cool. I picked her. That's why I picked wow. her. I was like, I'm paying this amount of money to get this person to edit it. Um, yeah. I, it was a great decision. She's She only did like a, like she did one run through and then she did another. And like, honestly, she made it look like that much better because she was like, oh, you should include nice. this. You should exclude this. And I'm like, thank you. This is what I needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I hired someone, but like I've been doing the majority of the edits on my own. Okay. I feel like the editing is like the biggest cost too to like the whole oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I paid like I th- yeah. I think I paid like seventeen hundred dollars Canadian for it, and then like yeah, it's like no. You're from Canada. Yeah, I'm from Canada. <gasps> oh my god, I didn't know. <laughs> We're in Canada. Oh my god. I'm from Ontario, so yeah. Oh cool. I'm, I'm just across the border from you guys. Wow. I didn't know. I guess I missed that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I didn't advertise it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter either way. I just didn't know. <laughs> no, you're suddenly banned from the podcast. You're Canadian. Yeah, Get Canadian. <laughs> no, and if anything, you'll probably make the podcast better because Canadians are better than Americans. <laughs> are we? <laughs> yes. Okay, here we go. How do you deal with things like imposter syndrome or comparing yourself to other books, other authors? Um, well, I don't exactly have the greatest way of dealing with it. I just keep editing the book until I'm nice. better. I, yeah, but you don't really think that imposter syndrome would be, like, such an overwhelming feeling at times. And yet, yes. like, when you read other books, because, like, obviously you like reading. That's why you started writing in the first point, like, place. You, like, are reading these books and you're like, oh, I'll never be as good because, like, look at how they praised this or look at how they did this. And, oh, my gosh, it's sometimes it's a lot. But then you have to just keep plowing forward and realize that everybody wrote their first book at one point. Like, everybody was doing this at one point and felt the same way. So, yeah, that's sort of how I go with it. It's like, you aren't the only one. 
Yeah, I think that imposter syndrome for sure was like a way bigger issue for me than I thought it would be. And same with like, I don't know if you have like social anxiety, but like social anxiety has also been a way bigger issue than I thought. It really is. It's like you think, okay, well, like when I get this out, life's going to be great. I'll suddenly have all of like my insecurities will all vanish. It will be amazing. No, no, it just exacerbates (laughs) it. It's like, right. Like every time I put out like art copies or like anybody like reads my book, I'm like, oh, I'm like ready for them to be like, this is the worst book I've ever read. <laughs> Literally same. I'm like, I, I'm expecting it at this point. It's like, you know, so that's how I deal with bad reviews. I just expect them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you know, they have a point. I mean, I guess it was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, joy. No, no, it's Okay. <laughs> Now, most people are nice. I, I haven't gotten, like, anybody who was like, this is awful. Like, the the one, the only, like, bad review I got was, like, somebody just put, like, a star. It was, like, a two-star rating. But there was no comment or anything. It was just, like, okay. the rating. And I was like, okay, like, I guess. I was like, I want to know why you didn't like it, though. Because I just want to know. Yeah, no freaking constructive, con- like, criticism at all. Just, like, here, I don't like it. At the end. It's like. Yeah, I'm like, come on, at least put like a comment. Like, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, just tell me why I should be more upset about my book, please. <laughs> right, right. Tell me why I'm terrible. Right. Um, okay, so what's um your end goal with writing? Do you have like a certain number of books, or like what's kind of your plan? Oh my goodness. So I would love to just write forever. Like I have so many stories like that. I just want to write down. Like, uh, and this one's a trilogy, so that's going to be like. Another so many years, right? And then, uh, I don't know. The ideal situation would be for me to, like, just leave science altogether and, like, somehow use this, like, as my main source of income. Because, you know, science is a lot and it drains you. Um, (laughs) So... Uh, it would be great if I could just like, you know, just do something that I enjoy all the time and not have to think about, okay, how am I going to be getting money to do this? It's, it would be nice if it was sustaining itself. And that's sort of like the goal. It'd be really cool for that to happen. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like that's also one of the reasons why I like kind of started this podcast is because I feel like it's really hard to make enough money, like just selling books to like sustain yourself especially coming from like a science field which is like relatively well paid to like keep you know to match that salary kind of thing it would be really hard so you have to do like the whole multiple streams of income thing (laughs) yeah exactly the tax guys really love us yeah i know oh my god (laughs) yeah that's cool though so they're gonna have a trilogy for this book right now yeah yeah that's the goal do you have like other books in mind like after the trilogy yes i have like some of them are fantasy some are not like i'm thinking about maybe i'll like try and dabble in some other genres like i really like don't ask me what they are because i like the idea sounds nice (laughs) yeah just to try something else out like you know like i don't know just different things i'm all over the place as a person so i'm going to be all over the place as a writer so just stay true to form there (laughs) yeah (laughs) i feel like i also want to like write in multiple genres but i saw like somebody else was saying how it's really hard to mark like market if you're doing multiple genres as a self-published author but i was like that's really sad because i also want to write in multiple genres (laughs) I mean, I guess the, like, uh, I guess the, whatever you call it, the loophole around that would be to, like, you know, make your, like, books sort of dabble in multiple genres as it is. That way you aren't oh. really dabbling in other genres. You can just sort of be like, yeah, I'm doing more of this. You know, you've already experienced this because that's, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah. That's lots of loopholes, but like that's a good idea. Okay. I feel like sci-fi and fantasy kind of go together. So if you're fantasy, you can kind of slip into sci-fi pretty easily. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it's made up. Either way, it's fiction. Just, it's all fiction. So anything in the world of fiction is okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You can just label yourself, I'm a fiction writer. Any kind of fiction you want, I got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So let's do um, some of our little rapid fire questions here. So I'll okay. just rattle them off and then you tell me whatever the first thing you think of is all right so first question we kind of talked about like literally all of these but i'm just gonna ask them again (laughs) okay so uh what is your day job if you have one okay so currently i don't have a day job because i just graduated but i did work as like an aquatic ecotoxicologist (laughs) which is a really complicated job title i also just sort of worked as a like a student ambassador for like an anishinaabe group thing it's a it's a watch (laughs) i don't know what any of what you said means (laughs) oh okay well i mean i can like i guess i can talk about it a bit more um okay so like i told you about the aquatic ecotoxicologist but like people listening obviously most likely don't know what that means because that's (laughs) not exactly something that's advertised um that basically means i was like a scientist that worked to see like how different contaminants or pollutants in the environment like affected like aquatic organisms or like fish or frogs or anything that have like an aquatic life cycle and to see whether or not their senses are affected whether or not their sense of smell specifically is affected and a lot of people think like oh like fish have noses and stuff and it's like yeah they actually do it's (laughs) that's how they sense their environment and i wanted to see like how different things in the environment affected that that's what my whole thesis was on and yeah i worked as like just yesterday i was like a student ambassador for like it's like it's known as skg but it's like a an anishinaabe or like a an indigenous group center thing so like they help to educate the public about like indigenous people and their culture and stuff so i was like helping out yeah wow that's really cool you have a very variety whatever that word is variety background I'm all over the place. Like, like I said, I'm a very, inco- I'm very consistently inconsistent. Well, you know, it all makes for good writing material. So <laughs> exactly. Everything's an experience that you can put in a book, you know? Exactly. Uh, okay. So next question. <laughs> what, um, what hobbies do you have besides writing or reading? Oh my goodness. Okay. So besides writing and reading, I love video games. Cannot lie. Cannot tell a lie. I love playing on the xbox um i also love practicing languages so i've been teaching myself like eight i don't know how to maintain i mean i can't say i know them well because like obviously when you're trying to teach yourself eight languages it doesn't exactly you know it doesn't all just go into your brain but yeah languages i love music so i've taught myself how to play piano nice besides writing and reading oh i love sports sports are fun like don't have many people to play with okay so i i used to play I made it to provincials for badminton. I play well. I love volleyball. I love basketball. I love football. Nice. Like different things, literally all over the place. What else? Do I, oh, painting. I love painting too. Good for you. This is great. <laughs> it sounds like you live a really great life. <laughs> I, it's all just an illusion, you know. I like so, like I'm the reason why I do it is because like I'm really need to like do self-improvement things or things to make myself feel better because I always feel like I'm not doing enough so Uh, yeah (laughs) I feel that (laughs) 
Language is your heart, though. I I struggle. I wish I could learn other languages. It is so hard to learn another language. So good for you. It's so hard. I think it's harder in the States, too, because uh, you guys aren't, like, necessarily forced to learn another language when you're in, like, public school. And I know that, like, there's, like, a certain time-sensitive period that you need to learn a language in order for it to be easier for to grasp other ones. Yeah, but in Canada, they sort of make you take French until you're in grade... 10 or 9. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, so you're forced to take French every year, and like that sort of makes it easier to transition into other ones, especially other romance languages. And right. Stuff. This is turning into not rapid fire. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're not your fault. I'm asking you more questions too. <laughs> Yeah, I took Spanish for a lot of years, but like it's um it, it just got like the, like when you get to the part of another language where there's like ten like tenses that don't exist in English, you know what I mean? That's really hard for me. I could not wrap my head around I was like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, like the one that's in the past, but it's like continuous and didn't yeah. just end. Yeah, yeah, I I'm know like, the one you're talking about. I'm I don't know. <laughs> so bad. It's okay. Um, Anyway, so what is one of your favorite books that you've read? Oh my goodness. The first one that popped into mind is probably Court of Mist and Fury, Sarah J. Mass. I love oh, Sarah yeah. J. Mass as an author. Um, although, oh my goodness. Another book that really stuck with me is like Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like, that's the book that popped into my head. Those two. I like them both. Like, Ray Bradbury really was a visionary. Did you read that in school or you read it on your own? On my own. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember reading that book, like, in school. It was, like, part of our curriculum when I was in school. Yeah, no, not in Canada. In Canada, it's, like, really don't have too many books that you're forced to read. Like, maybe really? some Shakespeare. Yeah, and oh. Shakespeare or whatever. Like, But, like, realistically, you're reading that with the class. You don't have to read it on your own, per se. Like, they make you, like, choose a book so that way you can do, like, a, a reading on them. Wow, that's fascinating. What are you doing? Like, do you guys take, like, English class? Yeah, we have an English class. It's just, uh, they focus more on, like, literary themes. Like, they make you read, like, some stuff with the class, like, in the class. Wow. Like, King Lear and stuff like that. And then, like, they make you do reports on it. Wow. Yeah, there was, oh my goodness, what's the name of the other book that they made us write, like, read? I guess the only one that was, like, really forced upon us to read was, uh, goodness. I can't remember. It it had to do with, like, the... Like a story told within a story within a story. It was a whole. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's the one that the movie Apocalypse Now is based off. Uh, I still don't know what it is. That's okay, though. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No one knows. Wow, that's wild. I didn't know that it was so um, different. It's kind of sad though, because uh, some of the books that I read in school, like one of the books that like really ignited my love of like fantasy and stuff, was um. Like the Iliad and the Odyssey. I don't know if you've read those. It's like Greek mythology. Uh, yeah, I, I know of them. I've just never read them. They're in my TBR. You should really read the, the Iliad, especially. Loved it. It literally ignited my love of fantasy when I was like in school. It was great. Anyway. That's so cool. Okay. Um, next question. What is your favorite time of day to write? Oh, evening night. I love that. That time frame is like my only productive like hour. I love, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. <laughs> and what kind of music do you listen to when you're writing? Um, typically instrumental. I can't listen to like stuff with like people speaking or anything because then I'll just start singing along to the lyrics and then I won't be focusing on what I'm like what I'm writing. So like, yeah, uh, classical or like those like fantasy music things, like yeah, songs that sort of remind you of fantasy. It's like la la la, you know. Yeah. Sometimes movie soundtracks. Yeah. I listen to a lot of like, I don't know if you watch anime, but I listen to a lot of like anime soundtrack songs. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Some of them are really good. Like, mm-hmm. you can't even deny it. It's like, 
can't deny that this is a banger. I don't care what you think about anime. I know. The songs are amazing. Whoever makes the music for them needs a raise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So what is your biggest um, pet peeve or like trope that you don't like to see in books? Okay. So I think my biggest pet peeve in books is like, especially in fantasy, when you are given a really, really strong female protagonist and they're like, like kicking butt, like for lack of a better term, and they're just living their best life, but in order to save the world, they have to give it all up. Everything that they were... That is so disappointing for me. It's like, why can't they just, like, keep it? And I understand, like, there's, like, too much power in the universe and balance, but it's like, you know, that's, that's sort of lame. Like, they just, like, had this whole thing going for their whole life, and then in order to save the universe or whatever, gone, it's like, or they lose their immortality to save it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it wrecks the fun. Let the strong women be strong women. <laughs> exactly. Don't take it away. Um, and last question is, what is a trope or a theme that you want to write about that you haven't written about before? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, maybe like, maybe I, I really, really, really would love to write a story about like the protagonist that you think is reliable, that's it. But realistically, they are not reliable in the slightest. Like, you think you're getting all of this information, and then you find out that it's all false. I would love to do a book like that. And you're like... That's so cool. Yeah, I would love to do one of those, because then it, the mind trip, you know? Like, you'd be spiraling after the book, and it's like, that. that's what I want to do eventually. Yes. You have to let, if you make that, let me know. I'll be the first one to read it. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's the rapid fire round. So we are... Wrapping up now, um, what, so what advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out, wants to get into publishing or kind of just starting out their indie author journey? Okay. Um, this is going to sound so cliche, but like maybe believe in yourself and like, don't give up. Like when the going gets tough, keep going because it's going to get tough. Like you're going to have like days when you feel like what you're doing is totally like not, it's not productive. It's not doing anything for you. Like it's not going to be paying well. Why am I spending all of this time doing it? Or like the hours that you commit to it, you might regret that. And you might think, oh, well, if it's not going to be yielding any income, why am I pursuing this passion of mine? I, all I can say is if you're passionate about it, it doesn't matter if you're getting like that income that you desire from it. Just keep doing it because you need something in your life that you can be passionate about and that you can enjoy because so many people in this life never find anything they're passionate about. And if you really mm-hmm. love something, pursue it. Like don't care about the like money aspect. Just do something you love. Like even if it's only part time, like, cause it will make your life better in the long run. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've been hearing a lot that really sticks with me too, is that nobody can, write your story. So if it's a story that, you know, you have in your mind, like you gotta put it out there. Like nobody else is going to be able to write what you can write. And nobody's going to think of the same ideas that you can think of. So just gotta yeah. put it out there. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that too. Uh, okay. So what other projects do you have coming up? I mean, we kind of talked about this already. I feel like we're repeating ourselves, but Tell us about your projects. <laughs> it's okay. Um, well, the book that I, I have published to those who have lost, like at the time the podcast is coming out, it will be out. It's the first book of a trilogy. So it's sort of setting it up for another two books. And after that, I'm really thinking about doing a book that's like maybe dabbles in like my aquatic background a bit. So like having that sort of a story, I I would say more, but like, you know, like I don't want to give away too much of a book that's like four or five years down the road. So yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. And then lastly, where can we find you? What's your social media? Are you going to be at any events? Plug everything that you have. Okay. So my Instagram is Quincy Lee Clark, Q-U-I-N-C-Y-C-L-A-R-O-L-E. Oh my God. I forgot my middle name. Q-U-I-N-C-Y-L-E-E-C-L-A-R-K um, at, like on Instagram. I don't have like other social media. Like that's it. I didn't have social media before this. So that that's that. I have an, like a website, the same name, Quincy Lee Clark. Dot com so you can go to find whatever I have out and merchandise and stuff that I'm going to be selling. Oh, you're going to be selling merchandise? Yeah, I am actually. It's being released as soon as my book's out. It's like a, it's going to have some like homemade stuff and other stuff like tied completely to the novel. I have like tags for it and everything. It's it's like a, that's really cool. Yeah, I I really tried thinking it through. <laughs> I'm in Canada, so we don't really have events. <laughs> what do you mean? There's no. There's I'm sure show. there are. <laughs> You'd have to go to like really big cities and they're so far away from me. Like Toronto, Uh, seven hours away or like other huge cities that are like uh, days and days drives or flights away. And it's like uh, currently nothing's in like I I might though. I'll let everybody know when I do choose to do that. Yes. Yeah. Please do. (laughs) Yeah. You can do them at your local like bookstores and stuff. Yeah. That's that was the like goal. Still is the goal. Anyway, that's all I have. Thank you so much for joining me. This was really fun. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Julie, for inviting me. Thanks for joining me today on Behind the Writer. Make sure you're following our Instagram at Behind the Writer Pod for all the latest updates and previews of the guests to come. We'll see you next time.